Welcome to Mortals, a podcast where we explore how humans have dealt with death throughout history. From embalming and epitaphs to mourning and morgues, we are taking a look at rites, rituals, and practices from around the world. Mortals podcast is for the morbidly curious or the curiously morbid. This week, we are talking about how to talk about death with friends. Please be advised that this episode does contain discussions of familial as well as child death, murder, and body disposition. Now let's get on to the show. Hello, mortals! So this is very strange for us as we are recording in the same room today. In person. Yeah, we are in fact on vacation with two of our friends who have very kindly consented to lending their voices, opinions, and thoughts to this podcast for your listening pleasure. So I'm going to give them a chance to introduce themselves. Ginny, would you like to start? Hi, I'm Ginny. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Hi, I'm Allie. And as usual, I am Mariah, and our other co-host that you're familiar with is Janine. <laughs> I'm still here, don't worry. So today we're going to talk about how to talk about death with friends. A caveat, of course, is that Janine and I do this podcast about death and talk to our friends about it, so we're already having pretty frequent conversations about death, dying, and other death-related things. So this may not be the most applicable to your everyday life, but this is not necessarily a tutorial. This is just a discussion among friends about death, dying, and mortality. Mortality, and how we approach that interpersonally with our friends, with our loved ones, and with the people in our lives. So to kind of break the ice, a couple of nights ago while we were on vacation, we were very kindly led through the TTRPG Ten Candles, which is a tragic horror by Ali. Would you like to explain in brief how this game works? Yeah, happy to. So, like Mariah was saying, Ten Candles is a tabletop role-playing game which uses ten candles as a scene progression mechanic, meaning when a candle goes out, the scene must move on. And you are playing as... People in the end of the world when lights have gone out and something in the dark is hunting you and their only uh, flaw is light. And at the end of the game, at the very last candle, every character must die. Yes. And we went into this game knowing that we were going to die. And yet, I think uh, the three of us playing as characters try to put up a pretty good fight via the 2d6 that you use as your success mechanic. Not 2d6, your decreasing number of six-sided dice that you use for success mechanics. You get less dice, the more candles go out, so it becomes harder and harder and harder. Yeah, you guys gave me a real run for my money. Um, (laughs) In a game where I have to kill you, (laughs) you guys have decided I'm going to survive, which just meant I got to make some Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, so part of it is that you, the player, know that the characters are going to die. Yeah. But depending on the traits that your character that you're playing gets, 
they may or may not believe that uh, they may be a fatalist and think they're all going to die anyways. And that's the way we're playing. The character that I was playing was an optimist. So I was very much, no, we're not going to die. We're going to make it through this, uh, which made for an interesting dynamic between myself as the player and the character that I was playing. Yes. And it's also a game that asks you to step into uh, the character with Tracy you were given by other players, including something that will give your character hope and something that is kind of the last resort. I would say it's your descent into madness as you come to the reckoning, reckoning that death is inevitable and incoming. Yeah. And it can be really difficult when you're handed a, uh, it's called a brink, that becomes antithetical as your character progresses, which is what happened to me. But at the end of the day, that's what had to happen. Yeah. So I'm curious what everybody's thoughts were about that, how that might have lent to thinking about death and mortality as we're playing a game where we know we're going to die and trying desperately not to. For me, I think it was because it was a game, um, I, I kind of lent in or, or leaned into the fact that we were going to die and just played the character as insanely or as crazy as I wanted to, uh, starting out with like being kind of an antagonist towards other players, uh, Mariah in particular. <laughs> um, and then by the end of it, my character was like, you know what? I actually like you. I'm sorry for being a crappy person before. <laughs> and, and that was actually kind of fun. And then, you know, my character panicked and ran away and left the party. <laughs> but that was because of Mariah. That was all Mariah's fault. Yes. So it was kind of knowing that you were going to die. It was kind of freeing. It was. It was very freeing to just so go, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever the heck I feel like doing in the moment. Whereas in real life, I'm completely the opposite of that. I'm very scared of death, even though I know it's inevitable. Um, just based upon some history in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting dichotomy how we play out knowing we're going to die and the reality of knowing we're going to die. Exactly. Yeah. How about you, Janine? I think for me, so as I mentioned, the character that I was playing, uh, so we created the the essence of our character, the who they are, the how old they are, the what they look like. And then we're given traits from others at the table. And so I created my character, mid-twenties, young woman in a band with an idea in mind. And then we had to pass our traits to others. So the traits (laughs) that I ended up with were, the positive trait was optimistic, as I mentioned. And the negative trait that I got was deceitful. So I had to find a way to, to balance that mm-hmm. along with this idea that this is the end of the world and shit's going haywire and yet I'm an optimist who's deceitful. <laughs> so the way that I was playing it, as I said, is like, no way, no way. We're going to make it through this. She was very convinced that this was going to be art fodder for her next album Um, And of course, that's not the case because everybody dies. I was a little bit convinced that it was uh, the everybody dies was just a a ploy. Oh, absolutely (laughs) not. I know that now. I took great honor in killing you all. (laughs) So I I was was a little bit um, 
convinced that it was a it was a setup basically to make us play a certain way but it but it wasn't and I'm not like upset about that at all I think it was really cool like I just inherently in myself I have that hope so I think that gelled really well with my character um the hopefulness the optimism to persevere to continue on um but at the same time as we went through the game my character had a you have a hope uh, I don't remember exactly what it was called. The card. A moment. A the moment. moment of hope. And my character failed it. So I ended up without my hope die to give me hope. And so the optimism completely went out of my character. So she was very despondent and like just basically giving up at the end. Which, who's to say if I, that would be me in real life? I don't know. But it was very interesting to play through that dynamic because I am a little bit in my day-to-day life, like, fearful and anxious, and death is one of those things that I don't want to happen, but you know what's going to happen, so playing through the game in that respect uh, is a a little bit cathartic. I don't know, not (laughs) life-changing, maybe if I play the game enough, but... Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you came to it as the we're all going to die as a setup, because I think a lot of people live their lives as though inevitable death Mm. is a setup. Yes. Um, And the way that I came at the game, I was given the traits smart and controlling, which are both traits that I, as a person, have. (laughs) That's just the luck of the cards at that point. That is. This is also the fact that I am playing with people I have known five to ten years. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, knowing that characters were going to die, that our characters were going to die, and then still managing to get successes at the end... You were so lucky. I was very lucky. I did get my hope die, which is an extra six-sided die that you can roll to increase your chances of success, and it succeeds on a five or a six rather than just a six. I got very lucky in that I was consistently succeeding <laughs> with my hope die, uh, which I had not lost yet. I was really giving an alley run for Romani uh, in trying to kill me. <laughs> Fine, I got there. (laughs) You always get there in the end. Yeah, death always wins. But there was a point, because I am somebody who is very much living with my mortality. My character was not just by the essence of the fact that I was given traits that I actually have, but just the way that I played the character and the way that I am as a person, as being someone who is very pragmatic and looks at the thing that is in front of them and goes, okay, now what do I do with what I have? But with those hope die, succeeding at the end, even I gave into the delusion for a moment that I might get out of this. Or I might be at least the last one. But I wasn't. I got shoved off a boat after trying to kill all of the soldiers. No, you were the last one alive. Out of the party. Out of the party. Out of the party, yes. I meant in general. I was the first one to die. Yes, because I gave you the brink to flee. Yes. <laughs> and Natalie, how about... How about you? Because you you came to us having played this game a couple of times. Yeah, I've I've played this game. um, When I first started playing it, it was in a hotel room with a bunch of friends. And we played it one night, reset the next night, and started all over again. Like, we just instantly kind of fell in love with it. Um, And actually, I think the reason why we loved it is kind of a play off something that you just said. That death always wins. And the game is structurally set up so that it, there are no winners and losers. 
they tell you they tell you right out the gate that the the point of the the game is collaborative storytelling and that it's not about whether who wins and loses even though there is such a thing as success and failure it's about taking your characters on this journey where in the final few hours you are experiencing the the highest highs and the lowest lows of the emotional scale that you have been gifted and you push your characters in a matter of hours to the breaches and brinks of their limits and that is kind of instant you know thrust into character and being pushed to your maximum when you have so little to work on because i should explain a little bit more about the game um you are given two traits you base an entire character off those two traits and then you have one good moment and one bad thing about you and that is all your character gets so you are building an entire personality around very little mm-hmm. and then forcing them to these horrific situations it's kind of a master class in character study which is kind yeah. of why i've come to love it so much it's made me a lot better of an rp'er like a role player when it comes to like I play a lot of D&D and yeah. also a better DM because it helps me to establish like how to set the scene and the mood so that my players are getting the most of the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun fact. Allie was my first ever 5e DM <laughs> uh, while we were living in Japan. And now I've DM'd for her as well as for our other two mm-hmm. speakers on the podcast today. Jenny is learning to be a DM and is about to DM for the rest of us. And I am just always along for the ride. (laughs) We love DM and we love D&D in this household. Yes, we do. And what's really interesting is I I went a kind of a completely opposite direction with my hope than the other two did uh, because I was having a lot of fun with character. Like I made my character a drug dealer. I'm the one who wrote smart and deceitful. Um, and then had to pass them along to other people. And I ended up with brave and unreliable, which was really interesting. But my hope was based around this idea that my son had been murdered and I wanted to kill the man who murdered him. And so that kind of plays into death as well. Not just like accepting your own death, but accepting whether or not you have control over someone else's life. And I did get my hope die. We did kill the bastard. (laughs) Yep. It was very satisfying. And then, of course, I ended up fleeing. I think that's actually something really interesting that we grapple a lot with in this game is the death of characters that are not your own. Yes. you. It's my job as the DM to kind of create these characters that you interact with. And whether or not you like them or not, you also know they're going to die. And how that plays into every interaction is really important as well. Whereas, like, in our game, we had a character named Deacon, who was this very young, but knowledgeable young man, um, who was very willing to help. And in a unfortunate moment, Deacon was killed. Terribly, I might add. Ter- mm-hmm. Look, that is the job. It's a horror game. And <laughs> it is. I do love me my horror. Killed <laughs> like most other people in this game. Yes. Being taken by, or being actually changed by them. Which was the is the premise is them as who is hunting you? Yeah, the ominous them that we always refer to, in which I based a band name off of in a fan fiction. <laughs> them in the dark. Them, yeah, in, the them dark. in the dark. Yeah, which kind of leads me into my first 
question to post to you guys about talking with other people about death and dying is how often do you find yourself doing it? How often do you find yourself talking about death and dying, whether it's about your own, your family's fictional roadkill in media, that sort of thing. While we've been on vacation, we're traveling in an area with a fuck ton of raccoons (laughs) and we've seen more dead than alive. So many dead raccoons. So many. It's extremely distressing. We love us some tiny robbers. Trash babies. They're little trash pandas. (laughs) Little trash pandas. It's been the same couple of dead ones that we just keep re-seeing. Oh no, I've seen a lot of novel raccoon corpses because I'm driving. We've passed the same roads a couple of times and the same roadkill just doesn't move. It just gets more roadkill because there are lots of crows in the area as well. Let me just say the infrastructure around here is wild compared to where I'm used to driving. Mm-hmm. We're vacationing in the U.S. It's fucking bonkers. <laughs> the highways are huge and it does not surprise me that there have been that many dead raccoons. No. Yeah. Honestly, I expected a couple more. I'm pretty used to it. I'm from the U.S. originally. Yeah. So, yeah. How often do you find you guys... How often do you guys find yourself talking about death and dying particularly you two who are not part of a death and history podcast <laughs> uh, surprisingly often actually i think because i surround myself with people who i trust and care about and part of getting to know each other is relating on a lot of hard topics and sometimes hard topics include you know talking about how you've handled death and what what has impacted your life um like for me grandparents and stuff like that have really impacted my life because of certain circumstances. So I actually talk about it surprisingly often. Also, you two are two of my best friends in the world. So yeah, pretty used to it. Yeah. Keeping in mind that caveat from the start that we do force our friends to talk about death and dying quite often. Or at least (laughs) I do. Although it hasn't come up. I mean, it's come up a little bit. On the trip. On the trip. But not as much as you might assume, listeners, just based (laughs) on the conversations that you are privy to between Mariah and myself and Christia when she's on the podcast as well. So Primarily, we've talked about Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) and how shitty the freeway system is. (laughs) Yes. And also, we primarily came down here for a concert, so we've been talking about that a lot, too. Yes. Well, I was going to say that I actually don't talk about death that much. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because I have a very small circle where this conversation kind of tired itself out fairly early on and it doesn't need to come back up again. I think I talk most about death with you now, Mariah, <laughs> and that is just as a uh, side effect of this podcast. Um, yeah. But like at home, we've kind of talked about it. It's a conversation that's coming up more and more because I was raised in a very specific faith-based ideology about death and dying and i've come to a reckoning with that where i don't necessarily believe certain things anymore whereas other people in my family are holding on to strong beliefs um strong ideas of the beyond what happens after death um particularly also belief in mediums which uh (laughs) i don't personally hold any faith in whatsoever yeah though i would fuck with the Ouija board real quick because I would love to see how that goes. Um, Let us know if you want to hear us do a Ouija board reading because we talked about it and just didn't get a Ouija board. It's surprisingly hard to find a Ouija board because you got to go to like a Toys R Us now. And Lord knows those are hard to find. Mm -hmm. I did do a Ouija board once many years ago. 
I was in grade five. I was like 10 years old. So this is almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we did it right, but my friend claimed that they were haunted and that the Ouija board kept coming back even though they tried to throw it out. It's actually pretty interesting that you mention um, your family and how, uh, Allie, your family and how they uh, have a different faith-based idea of the beyond um, because I have a very similar situation where my mother in particular, who I'm closer to, um, has exactly the same thing, and I do not ascribe to the same things. Like, I'm agnostic, so I, I kind of am open to ideas and possibilities, but I'm not sure I necessarily ascribe to them either. And so that's really that's, interesting. That's the same with me. I would describe myself as being agnostic at best, <laughs> a non-practicing atheist at worst. Um, the idea of practicing as an atheist cracks me up as somebody who has always been like, that seems like a scam. God <laughs> seems like a scam. I, I fully believe but God is a scam. I am of Higher the, powers might be a different question. I, yeah, exactly. I am of like the powers that be in the scientific universe. Maybe it's yeah. just alien overlords for all we know. Like, yeah. Mathematically unlikely that we're the only sentient form exactly. of life in the way that we Thank perceive you. sentience and or life. Exactly. Incredibly self-centered of us to think we are the only things it's out ridiculous. here. Or even that oxygen-based life is the only life that can and yeah. ever will exist. Oh yeah, absolutely. And how about you? How often do you find yourself talking about death and dying kind of outside of this and potentially chatting with Christia? That's a good question. I, I live a, a very small life. Uh, and outside of work and you folks, I really don't talk on a deeper personal level with a lot of people other than my partner. Um, and he, we don't really talk about it. He's always happy to listen to anything basically that I, I want to say. And he's more, okay, this is going to be wild. Cause Ali, you just met me on this trip. <laughs> he did. is the listener in our relationship. I am the talker. I wish so figure that one out. Right? I wish that you, dear listeners, could have seen the look of processing on Allie's face as this information was relayed. Because Janine, you may have noticed, is a very good listener who takes the time to precipitate a concise, insightful, and very good response to things in conversation, while I, Mariah, just blather. <laughs> I, I'm the same as Mariah. To I'm be a think out loud honest. kind of person. Okay, but Blathers is one of my favorite Animal Crossing characters. <laughs> so like, that's a very valid way to be. It's also yeah. why Mariah and I always end up staying up for like six hours, ignoring the anime we were intending to watch, just talking about existential crap. Yes, for context, Ginny and I have lived together on and off for many years. Yes. Um, <laughs> All that to and say. And I just met Allie in person as well, and we're. It's great. Yeah. Sorry, Ginny. That's okay. I am a very good listener. I'm happy to let other people speak. Uh, all that to say, um, I don't, I can't think in specific numbers how often Nathan and I have talked about death, but if I were to talk about death with anyone aside from my coworkers or you folks here, it would be him. Yeah. And that's it. So it probably doesn't come up too much. I think I think I seem to get my fill. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I seem to get my fill kind of out of the podcast. Fair enough. I uh, I seem like the outlier here because I do talk about it a lot and often and with everybody. Um, 
I, yeah, and part of it is that I'll be doing something and there will be something that, come up, that comes up and I'm like, hey, do you want to know this extremely tangential fact about Alexander the Great, about postmodern photography, about the Klondike, about Mount Everest? And I start getting people looking at me going, why do you have so many corpse-specific facts? <laughs> and so I go, I have a death and history podcast, which leads to talking about it and then people getting... To listening to it, what's up, Josh? You're my favorite hype man. Yes. I know the exact response to the question, why do you have all these random facts? Aside from the fact that you have a podcast, because when I first met you, you described yourself as having three books on the go, and one of them was a nonfiction history of the storage container. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. There was a About the shipping book, industry. Yeah. Shipping industry history book. And then some other nonfiction book. So, mm -hmm. not surprising. The podcast, no. I'm assuming, does a lot more death-related factoids uh. now. But this is absolutely in character for you. For sure. <laughs> and it's really interesting because I've been a really bad friend and I just now started listening to the podcast. And not everyone like, is a podcast listener. I, yeah, I have a hard time with them sometimes. But... Um, as soon as I started listening to it, I was listening to it just in the background at work, and I we have a virtual office, so I talk to people all day, and I just started spouting these death facts at my friend, Emily, just going, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like, this is so cool. This is so cool. Because I, you know, I, I love interesting factoids just like you. Yeah. And I'm very interesting, dear mortals, if you find yourself talking more about death, and dying since listening to this podcast. If this is your first episode, this is a wild place to start. Absolutely. Um, but please stick with us. Does it impact your life? Do you find yourself talking about it more, either by virtue of going, hey, listen to this great podcast, which we appreciate you recommending us to your friends because we don't pay to advertise. As we've stated, fuck capitalism. We hate the idea of advertising. Yes. Um, or running advertisements. Uh, that being said, we do have a Patreon if you want to throw us some dollars that would be much appreciated anyways <laughs> those patrons we have we have a few now you're very very much appreciated i believe i sent you all a note just recently letting you know that th uh the money that comes our way is helping us pay for our rss distribution and our domain name for our website uh, mortalspodcast.com which just has information it's a central place to send people if we meet them out and about in the wild and they're like, wow, you have a podcast. Really easy. Just go to mortalspodcast.com. So thank you very much for helping us pay for that. We're still not... I'm We're still that. paying to do this, but it helps. It goes directly back into this podcast to make it better for you. I just bought a new mic to improve the quality. Anyway, moving on from our <laughs> plugging of all of our things. We didn't mean to get that right in the middle there. That <laughs> But I guess moving on from that, and tangentially as well, are there people that you find yourself talking about death and dying with more? People you avoid talking about death and dying with? I know for me, talking about death and dying with my parents in particular, talking about death and dying with my parents in particular can be rather difficult. Either they skate around the topic, change the topic, so on and so forth. Uh, parental figures, if you were listening to this, I still love you, but I would love to know your death plans. Uh, because I am the oldest of the two children in the family, and my brother has his own family that he's to deal with. And I would like to know that if 
anything were to happen, that I would know how to proceed in accordance with the wishes of the people for whom I might be responsible for dealing with death care. Um, in the same way that I would like it to be known by the people who might be responsible for my death care in the case of my early death, um, what exactly I am after. So there are people that I talk about death with a lot. Basically everyone, it's been a barred subject at Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. You've become notorious. So is D&D. Yes. Dungeons and Dragons, death, and my cat are the only things that I talk about these days. And I've been barred from talking about two of those things, generally speaking, at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, so. normally it's politics, economics, religion. <laughs> and with me, it's corpses and dice. Um, anyways. So I do talk about it generally with everybody. And in a general sense, I do talk about it with, you know... My parents, my step-parents, family members. But the specifics of talking about dying and the reality of that, it doesn't come up quite as much, though. Um, and I think most people can relate to this. Having grandparents going, if I start to forget stuff, take me out back, bury me. Oh, oh take me out back and bury me is a lot nicer than how they say it in my family. which is I, I am paraphrasing because... Yep. There's a lot more gun violence involved, generally. <laughs> Bingo. Um, but there was that sort of rhetoric around my household growing up from my grandparents, but not from my parents. I don't know exactly what my parents would want, what my brother would want, what the people who might rely on me for their death care would want in the case of their death. And for me, that's a stress point because I know that death is inevitable. I live every day with the reminder, keep breathing, tattooed on my arm. I have lost five out of six grandparents. Uh, I've had a number of other family members die. Today that we are recording this, my family dog of 15 years has been euthanized. Death is something that I'm grappling with all the time. Stepping away from it isn't really an option. So it's something that I'm thinking about and talking about all the time, but specific kind of conversations are hard to have with other people though I don't normally go out of my way to avoid them. So I'm curious if there's anybody that you guys are more inclined to have discussions with or to avoid discussions with. I'd say for me, um, I'm not inclined in either way to avoid or to bring it up specifically. I don't think about it as much, I think, as you do in my day-to-day -day life, yeah. Mariah. And I, I know it's something that should be more commonly and comfortably talked about. It seems a little mm -hmm. taboo still, and I know we've ha talked about this before. Our society and our culture in North America in particular is a lot more comfortable with sex and talking about sex than talking about death, yeah. which is wild because everybody dies, but not everybody has sex. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. But I don't know. It's just... I don't, I don't feel inclined to talk about it with people. Uh, I feel it's more of a curiosity for me than an impelling need. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I need to sort this out right here and now. And perhaps that's because I don't, oh, I can't even say I don't have people that I wouldn't be responsible for if they died because I think I would. I am not an oldest sibling, but my oldest sibling does not live in this, this being this continent, this continent 
Um, I was going to say this country, but we're currently not in our own country at the moment. She also doesn't live in this country. No. <laughs> she doesn't live in this country either. Uh, all that to say, like, perhaps if my parents were to pass away, I might end up being the one responsible for them just due to proximity. But it's not something that's always at the forefront of my mind. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just not. Uh, yeah. And it's not malicious <laughs> ignorance. It's yeah. not that I don't know that it's a thing that needs to happen. It's mm-hmm. just... I'm I'm vibing in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. And just to jump back in real quick, I'm sorry, our two dear guests. Uh, but that is something that is... It's interesting to note because the reason it's on my mind is because I watched both my parents be responsible for their parents' funerals all in rapid succession. I had about five years where I had a family member die probably every six to eight months. Um, so I was going to a lot of funerals and often it was my parents or very close family members who were responsible for that and for managing estates and all of that. So witnessing that for me was very formative of going, how do I make that easier slash not be in that position yeah. <laughs> in the future? Sorry, turning it over to, to for, Ginny and Allie. For me, it's, it's actually a really interesting question because... Um, I have a queer platonic life partner and I'm very comfortable talking with them about death and what they want and what I want um, because we plan to spend our lives together regardless of other um, romantic uh, situations. But um, with my parents, it's, it's really difficult for me. My mom has had a lot of health issues for a very, very long time in my life. And I remember as a child, as a very small child, being constantly afraid that my mom was going to die. And my mom and I are very, very close. So I've kind of avoided those conversations for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And my dad still lives, well, in this country currently. Um, I do not. (laughs) So he recently talked to me about his plan and the fact that he's actually taking care of everything already. Um, And that he was going to send me, which he still hasn't, send me kind of his his plan for when it happens. And that kind of got the conversation started with my mom a little bit because I process things by talking about them. So I talked to her about it. Um, And, you know, she has this whole thing with, you know, my stepdad too. you know, oh, I'm going to get their house and all this stuff. And I'm like, I kind of don't want to hear that. But also it's important that I hear this. So for me, it's, it's, it is a struggle because I do have a lot of anxiety around my parents' death. And also, because my dad lives in the States, the idea of if something happens to him, especially since he's riding a motorcycle and <laughs> constantly, um, like the idea of like, will I be able to afford to act, even go home to do anything? You know, that's been a constant anxiety for me. So uh, I think I'm finally old enough and getting older to kind of be more comfortable in that. And honestly, this podcast and, and talking to my friends is has helped me process those things as well. Yeah. Was there any relief in getting kind of a death plan outlined? Act- I mean, he hasn't fully outlined it because he hasn't sent it to me, but you know, it's taken care of. Like the money portion mm. is taken care of yeah. where he'll be laid to less rest or was it cream? I don't remember if it was. You know, either. there's a plan. There's a plan. So that yeah. yes, has been very relieving. Yeah. Um, but my uh, partner and I, who they were supposed to be on the strip with us, um, uh, we miss you. We love you. We're sorry you're sick. Yes, I love you so much. Um, they listen to this podcast way more than I do. Uh, 
you know, we've talked about it so much. We know what we want to do. So that's helpful. And that's also relieving just because, you know, having someone be your person and knowing where to go and what to do is important, I think. Yeah, to load off during the grieving. Exactly. That morning period. Um, so, okay. <laughs> I know I said I don't talk about death a lot earlier in this podcast. Yeah, you can, generally like, speaking. Give me like tw- fast forward, like rewind about 20 minutes and you'll hear those exact <laughs> words come out of my mouth. And I need to caveat that by saying I am talking a lot more about death right now because uh, my mom has lost someone very close to her. And she has been a very big support in that family's lives. And so death has kind of been on the table to talk about again, because she is starting to realize that, you know, time time is running out. Yeah, medium or no, death is inevitable. Death is inevitable. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're more than halfway to 100. And so it's starting to look a lot closer than farther. Yeah. And I have... My dad is almost in his 80s, and so while he and I are not super connected, I know that for both of them, I'm most likely to be the power of attorney. While I haven't signed any documents yet, as the oldest female child, in other words, the responsible one, (laughs) I am more than likely going to be sidled with this, uh, Mm -hmm. this burden. Well, I shouldn't call it a burden, but when there is no plan... And no communication. It would and be a burden. Yeah. No idea of what's going to happen. Yeah. This is starting to feel a little bit more burdensome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, though, I have definitely let my mom know what my plans in death are, and that is fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if if you haven't thought about your own death and what you would like for that, for your body disposition, for where you want to be, for how you want to be taken care of. It's not a bad idea to start thinking about it and potentially communicating it to the people that you trust to follow out those plans should they outlive you. Kind of the final question that I have for guiding this discussion is whether you have any thoughts or preferences about your own death or body disposition sort of thing. And this is a conversation that I've mentioned that I have fairly often where it's like, what do you want to happen after your body when you die? This is something that comes up often in my first conversation with people as I am subject to what is colloquially what is colloquially known as the gay friendship speed run <laughs> uh, in which a queer person shows up and skips all small talk and dives deep into trauma immediately and other deep <laughs> subjects. Um, I've done this to a lot of people recently. Hey, what's up? Allie and I have been doing that exact thing uh, and we just met in person. Yeah, like three days ago. Yeah. Um, so this, this is something that for me comes up quite often. I have a lot of thoughts about my own, mm. what I would prefer. I will say though, you yeah. and I get to talk about this a lot. A lot, On yes. the podcast, so let's let our lovely friends. Yeah. I mean, I did just say that I know exactly what I want done with my body. Would um, you like to share or would you like to keep that Oh no, I'm happy. Pocket? I'm happy to share because I got this idea from a fantastic YouTube channel that I know you probably both watch. Ask a Mortician. I love Ask a Mortician. Caitlin Doty, what's up? Please hit us up. You're great. I am... <laughs> Not surprised that this is uh, <laughs> definitely a connection that's being trying to be made. Um, and it was 
I don't know how I fell into this YouTube rabbit hole. Probably of... my fault. No, this was before I knew you. Was it? I've known this since like long before we've met. I'm Dang. decently sure. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, because I've I think I've had this death plan now for at least seven years. Yeah, so definitely. Um, and it is because it was an old episode of hers. Um, yeah. About, uh, there is a process where a dead body can be put into a pod. And from that pod, a tree will grow. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that stems from, like, first off, I hate the idea of, like, a headstone, tombstones, like, this idea of, like, yeah. the injection of chemicals into the body to make it last forever. Yeah. That is not natural. It's and not... I have taken more than enough from this world, like, environmentally and sustainably that I should maybe consider giving back a bit. Yeah. And I would much rather my friends and family come see some beautiful piece of nature than some carved piece of rock that says my name on it. Yeah. It it feels a lot more sentimental and more meaningful than just a rock that says when I was born and when I died and maybe some sort of catchphrase like fuck around find out. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than, like, a tree that has, like, a nest and, like, squirrels and... Exactly. And, like, and, like blooms like, and grows and could be changes in a the world. really nice place and will outlast my my time, my family's time, and will be... It will more, outlast your memory, almost. It will outlast my memory, and I'm okay with that. Here's a, here's a question to put you on the spot, unfortunately. Bet. Bet. What kind of tree would you want? Oh, straight up, one of my favorite trees of all time. Actually, there's two choices. What kind of tree would you be? <laughs> <laughs> I would either be a Japanese cherry blossom, oh, like, yeah. a, like a yes. just like a cherry blossom, yeah, ornamental sort. sakura, ornamental sakura. Uh, for the listeners, I have. I used to live in Japan with Mariah. Yeah. Um, I have like sakura tattooed on my body. It's a very important plant to me. It's kind of always been in my life. Yeah. Or a weeping willow. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's yes. something That's a good so one. sanguine and beautiful. Yeah, there's a sanctuariness. Yes. My grandmother's house had a bunch of weeping willows outside, and it was just insanely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We used to have them outside my elementary school, and we used to make like crowns and whips out of them. I was gonna say, I definitely whips. thought it was gonna whips. be whips because I definitely <laughs> made whips. We made I mean, crowns, but also whips. You know. I mean, can't help but feel like Indiana Jones. You're whacking right? someone around with that. <laughs> you know, a funny, funny thing I just just thought about that is interesting. Uh, my grandmother and grandfather were licensed morticians, and my uncle was actually born. They lived in a old timey, like old school, because this was you know a long time ago. Uh, an old, like actual funeral home. How did I not know this about you? We've been friends for like 10 years. I don't know. Like, I, I, can't, I cannot believe it hasn't come up before. It might have come up and I just might have filed Maybe. it in the Ginny file in Maybe. my brain. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, she was, you know, this was back when women in schooling were very... Uh, Non-compatico. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, my grandfather went on to be a politician, which was, ugh, whatever. Anyways, um, for me, I've kind of vacillated a little bit. And honestly, after hearing that, I kind of go back to the original idea of being a pod and and being a tree. Everyone eventually. join me and become me. tree ants. Can I just be, uh, can I be planted be next to you? <laughs> I need to be, I need to be planted next to my new boo. Um, yeah. 
that I want. But uh, other than that, it would be 100% cremation because I, I agree. I don't want to be buried in the ground. Like as much as having a, some sort of landmark, which is why the tree thing is such a good idea, to for your family and friends to visit. Like, I mean, I moved to a different country when I was in my early 20s. So like all of my family and and everything is back where I am from originally and I'm not gonna the likelihood I'm gonna be able to visit them is very low and also cremation is something that I have really thought about but the idea of like sitting on someone's mantle too is a little bit odd like I've had it's like uh, an extended vacation I've had family members who have been (laughs) cremated and you know they've wanted to be uh you know, put around in different places. Like yeah. my my stepdad's mother is like that, and and he's done that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like, it's not. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing either, <laughs> because like you're just yeah. ash and just throwing mm-hmm. ash into the ocean or into a park. Or... You don't know if it's for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. which is totally fair. Did Much you more ha- succinct. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like there's anything you would want done with your ashes, given nowadays you can have them tattoo, like added to tattooing, compressed into diamonds? <laughs> Allie does not okay. like that. I, let's see. No, definitely no on the tattoo ink. Um, Fair. You can have it added into like deer blocks of food, or would you prefer it be like spread somewhere, split among family members? Just cremated okay. remains are. are no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I just need to interject. <laughs> why? Why would you choose tattooing and deer blocks when there were other like more conventional ideas, like getting them made into diamonds and more? Because like, like that's one that I've seen advertised everywhere. And yes. you go straight to let the deers eat your ashes. <laughs> does that surprise you? I mean, no, it no. Doesn't. It doesn't. There was an Ask a Mortician episode about it, which is why I know. That being said, there are legal. Yeah. Legal limits about what you could have done with human remains. Exactly. Um, I think if I were to go with cremation, uh, if my family members or the people who are extended family or found family would want to keep, I would be completely fine with that, them keeping pieces of me. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know. I know it's not the same, but diamonds really have lost their luster for me, you know, with, you know, diamond yeah. mining and the yeah, whole a weird engagement industry and the diamond industry being really crappy and fucky. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> no, 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 like, no, for sure. buy diamonds or anything. I was just like, between putting between it the into two. a tattoo <laughs> no, I agree. and deer blocks, that is the objectionably <laughs> more normal and palatable I mean, tattoo, tattoo inks and stuff are way more, like, regulated now than they were but i when i was in college i had a a other student did a whole thing on tattoo ink and there was so much bad crap in the tattoo ink at the time yeah that no 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 and i no that actually squicks me out a little bit yeah to be clear cremated remains the the temperatures at which a body is cremated oh i know render (laughs) a body into basic carbon so there is no actual remaining uh biological or genetic material just but still understandable. Understandable. The but connotation that this carbon was once yes. my friend. Haunted yes. tattoos. Haunted. Oh. oh. Okay. You know what? Maybe I need to change my stance. <laughs> you get a ghost. 
ghost tattoo with ash ink. Okay. Okay. okay I would. No, I, I would let. I would let my partner do that if they wanted to. That. That's the one exception <laughs> because that's totally their jam. Like the goth, like ghost. Dead inside aesthetic is totally Ellie's having an epiphany as we're talking. I truly am, because all I can imagine now is one of those boos from Mario with the, like, shy face. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh, look! I'm so shy! I'm also actually dead. I just got an idea for a D&D campaign. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, just that car- basic carbon thing for anyone who's concerned about putting human remains into a on-purpose scar. Uh, <laughs> sort of thing. How about you, Janine? <laughs> uh, well, we've, we... We did this, talk about Green Burial we on talked about last Green episode. Burial, literally last episode. And yeah. hearing what you two were just saying, you should definitely listen to it. Because we will. talked about environmentally friendly and sustainable. And that sounds pretty good to me. Uh, just like nice, simple, wrap me in a shroud, put me in the ground. That kind of yeah. thing. Sort of off topic to that specific question, but on topic to the conversation that was just had. Uh, something that I literally have never shared is when I was very, very, very young, like before the age of five, maybe even before I was born. Anyway, I'm, I'm very fuzzy on the timeline, but my mother used to talk about it a lot. She worked at a funeral home. You're just so connected to people tangentially to <laughs> and you, you know nothing of it. Major reason that my mother left that profession is because they had to bury a child uh, yes. who died in a very, very preventable way. And I will not go into the details, of course. Uh, but I grew up hearing that story. Oh. Oh, yeah, that'll that, do it. That now, definitely doesn't inform how you view things as a person. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. I heard a lot of things that I probably shouldn't as a child oh, growing up. Oh, me too. But uh, in my family, we don't really do funerals. Like, I've had yeah. people in my family pass away, primarily my grandmother and my grandfather, both separate parents. It's like the grandmother on my dad's yeah. side and the grandfather on... My mom's side, and we did not have funerals. We didn't have celebration of life. I don't know. They were just gone? Gone, cremated. Interesting. I definitely want a celebration of life. Yeah, I want people to get wasted in my (laughs) honor. If you walk home straight, you have not had enough. You live in my honor and ruin your liver. As someone who doesn't (laughs) drink and doesn't really like drinking, I don't really care if you get wasted, but I want you to have fun. I want there to be music. I want want embarrassing photos. Right? I don't don't want a somber little bitch baby funeral yeah i don't know about embarrassing photos that would be a treasure trove i don't want unleashed even if there's any time to be fucking embarrassed on purpose it is when you are dead yes (laughs) i've very recently toyed with the idea of no matter when i pass away i want the celebration to be on that next birthday that would have happened yes oh that's interesting that's a good good idea celebrate my birthday one last time all my friends and all the people I care about yeah, and say goodbye. That's yeah. a really good idea. Yeah. As like a death day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be day. the day yeah. you die, but then you could run into issues if, what if I literally die the day after my birthday? You have to <laughs> wait a wait whole a year. <laughs> but I still do kind of like it because that's a day yeah. that we already celebrate 
ourselves. Yeah. Or we yeah. celebrate our friends on their birthdays. Yeah, and we celebrate their life. And it's on been their birthday a, a when day too. throughout your relationship with someone that you are accustomed to associating with them. So instead of thinking, oh, we celebrate or we have this funeral and that's the last memory, you just celebrate on the birthday the day that is already meant for celebrating them and i really yeah. really like that i really like that too that's that's yeah because i'm glad you mentioned that yeah because when we celebrate birthdays you know it's a lot of like i'm glad you've made it this far congratulations on another trip around the sun it's it's about how many times you've had to ha- you've gotten to have your birthday and how excited and grateful we are that you made that full trip again so I think that's really poetic as a, a day of celebration. Thank you. Yeah. Mine's I like looming. Of, <laughs> I like to think of myself as having a little bit of a poetic soul, but... I have one of Absolutely. the big birthdays looming in a couple of months. And... <laughs> I, yeah, as do Janine and I. The decade markers, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm a baby. You're <laughs> <laughs> the baby. <laughs> you can feel free to get that. <laughs> so in terms of thoughts and preferences around death and dying i do very much have preferences some of which are not legal yet in canada and i do not know where i will be living at the time of my death because i do tend to do this thing where every two years i get really restless and i fuck off to another country yeah yeah this has happened and we miss you (laughs) yes jenny can very much attest to this twice or you just meet me or i meet Allie. all that being said i do very much have Uh, opinions that are very much informed by what I've learned through this podcast. So I know that I would like to have a home funeral. I hope it is not too much to ask of the people who may or may not be responsible for my death care to look after my body one last time. And I would like to be human compost, baby. Baby. Yeah, and in, in my family, I have one or two family members that I know of that were buried. I've never been to a viewing. That seems terrifying and i don't i don't love the idea of a prepared viewing Mm -hmm. it'd be different if it's like i need to see this person before they are cremated for the last time yeah um i've been to a few viewings and they're they're traumatizing yeah um i had a friend who recently went to a viewing and was like i wish i hadn't gone to that um just go to the wake after go to the wake after i have you know a very large irish family it's a lot of wakes, getting wasted, photos, music. Everybody gets together, gets really drunk, and cries a lot. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, I would very much like to be compost. That is not yet legal in Canada. We touched on this in the Green Burial episode that we did just prior to this. But it's until I have a better idea, I'm not totally sure... At what point to lay out a death plan? I don't know if it will give my parents a heart attack if I send them an email that's like, by the way, if I die before you, which is every parent's worst nightmare, here's what I would like done. Right? But but body disposition is something that we're having more options available to us at all times, which is, can also be a good inroad for talking about it with friends and family and being like, did you know did you know about promession? Which if you recall from our space in or death in space episode is about essentially flash freezing a corpse and then vibrating it into dust. Okay, but that sounds sick. <laughs> I want to be dust. Space be dust, baby. I, yeah. And you know what? 
Promotion dust probably wouldn't violate the UN treaty that we talked about. That's, that's accurate. I did listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, it's one of our early ones. It's still one of my favorite that I've ever led. Shocking. Right, aquamation, which is becoming a thing in which a, it's like cremation, but it's a lot less environmentally intensive mm-hmm. in which your body is uh, reduced via an alkaline solution. There's only so much land left. There is only so much land left. Uh, we could go on and on we could go on and on please keep following our podcast if you would like to hear more about specific means of body disposition and their histories and growths and legalization processes as they come up because environmentalism is important to here is important to us here at mortals so we will continue to talk about more environmentally conscious and aware means of body disposition but it's it's overall, it's important to talk about the reality of our death and mortality, even if it's only occasionally and only in those late night discussions that you have with your friends and your family, or maybe a stranger in a bar after you've had one too many, or a bu- someone on a bus who won't stop talking to you despite the fact that you are reading a book and you have your headphones in. Because it's, it's around us all the time. We are constantly being reminded about death. We mentioned the amount of roadkill that we've been witness to since we've been on our vacation. We played a game in which we were inevitably going to die. It's in the songs that we listen to. It's in the movies we watch. Every video game has a murder component. Just about. It is literally the one thing that unites everything. Every living thing must die. I bought a board game today called Stupid Deaths that's just decide whether this stupid death is true or false. And it, yeah, it's everywhere. It's worth talking to your friends and your loved ones about death and about dying, whether that's about it in media, the road kill you sat on the side of the road, or the inevitability mm-hmm. of your or their death. And hopefully that this episode has given you some talking points, some ways in, some avenues, or even at least some food for thought. Also, it doesn't have to be a very heavy thing. It can be as light as this conversation we just had right now. Yeah, it can be a joke. It can be a, did you know that you can be a tree? Did you know you can be tattooing? Please tattoo me as a ghost. Here is my top five list of ghosts I would like to be tattooed into. Thanks so much for coming along with us. Yeah, and a big thank you to Janie and Allie for being thank on this you. episode with us. Thank you for having yes. me. Thank you for having me. This is it's fun been, as all get out. It's been a blast. <laughs> it's fun to record in person. It yeah. is. It's weird. This is, Dear listeners, this is the first time we've recorded in person. We have seen each other in person since starting this podcast, but not had the chance to record. So. This is it. Yep. We hope you've enjoyed us all talking into the same microphone and no traffic from my city where there are no fucking noise ordinance laws. Bye now. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. Mortals Podcast is created, hosted, and edited by three morbidly curious individuals, Christia, Mariah, and Janine. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast Mortals, on Instagram at Mortals underscore podcast, and on our website, mortalspodcast.com. Show your support, access bonus content, and help us keep ads out of your ears by joining our community at patreon.com slash mortals podcast. 
music is A Mermaid's Eulogy by Etienne Roussel. Thanks for listening, mortals. Take care of yourselves out there. You know, Animal Crossing would be a really different game if I could just go around fucking killing all the, <laughs> all the islanders I do not you like. You pick up a robe and a scythe from the Able Sisters and just go ham on the villagers you don't like.